Welcome, I'm David Nurse, MBA shooting coach turned life optimization coach, speaker, author, leader of all types. On this show, we bring on high performers, athletes, CEOs, entrepreneurs, people doing amazing things in this world, but they weren't always at that spot. And we talk about how they got through their stuck situation and made their pivot to achieve their success. So join me every week as we pivot and go. I'm dreaming vivid, so I'm living my goals. Written to existence, you know I'm doing the most. I'm steady winning, having breakfast for dinner, cause I'm always giving the toast. I live that 1% of lifestyle, didn't you know? Doing what I can just to get in the zone. Incremental change to help you get in the flow. But if you hit the wall, gotta pivot and go. Switch your perspective and go for the goal. That ain't the end of the road, just pivot and go. Go. Drew Hanlon, welcome. Man, this is a pleasure and a blessing to be able to have you on. I feel like I've known you forever. This is a long time in the making having you on here. And man, you've been someone that I have looked up to for years. Like literally, I remember the first time I met you, crazy enough, we were in the Bay Area at a Golden State Warriors game. And a friend of mine was the assistant coach for the Warriors. And he's like, and you got to meet this guy, Drew. You got to meet this guy, Drew. He's, he's training David Lee. He's training these NBA players. So I'm expecting to meet this guy. He's like, you know, probably 35, 40, and gray, little some gray hair going on him. And you're younger than me. And I'm like, no way. And then everywhere I went from there, everybody would be talking about, man, Drew is, he's, he's so good. And like, Drew, I'm going to be honest, man. Like, I wanted to, to like, resent you because you're really good at something <laughs> I wanted to be really good at. And then, like, when we got to talking more, I was like, this dude just a top class, genuine. So, anyways, thank you for being on the podcast, my man. No, no doubt. I'm glad we got to do this. And, and, and you know, we're both in the same ballgame. We, we're, we're big believers in everyone can win and we want everyone to win. So, um, I think it's cool when, you know, people in the same industries, instead of competing against each other, are all cheering for each other and helping each other. And so uh, that's something that I've always respected about our, our friendship. Man, that's so true. Like it is, Competition does not have to be against each other. It can be with each other. Competition is great. But when you have competition with completion, with people that are on a driven, same, similar mission, that just, I mean, takes you to higher levels. You know, you, you can go so far by yourself, but with, with others, it's... Immense. Okay. So we could go on about this all the time, but man, let's get into it. Like you are extremely passionate. I would consider you the best skill development coach in the NBA, in the world. And to be very passionate, you have to become obsessed with what you do and you have to love what you do. So why do you love doing what you do? To be honest with you, people think I'm crazy when I say this, but at this point in my career, I don't love basketball but I absolutely am obsessed with helping people. And so that's the biggest thing for me is, you know, people always ask her like, Drew, you know, you've gotten to a point where you have notoriety, um, you're financially stable, um, you have a lot of the things that a lot of other skills coaches, you know, desire and, and are trying to work towards. What keeps you doing all the little film projects? What keeps you still studying the game? What keeps you still doing free workouts? I, I literally, there was a kid that messaged me from uh, Los Angeles, he had sent me a video of his shot the other day and uh, said, hey, Coach Drew, can you help me out with my shot? I sent him some feedback, and um, he was still struggling with it a little bit. He said, I made one change. I can't figure out the other one. I said, yo, pull up to this park, 
And, you know, then his mom reached out like, is this like a joke? Like, are we getting scammed? Like, what's it going to cost us? I was like, no, no, no. It's 100% free. Just pull up to this park. They're like, are you really going to show up? I'm like, so I showed up and I did it. And um, he was surprised I showed up. And so was the mom. And to me, I just love helping people. So um, that's what drives me is I don't want to let somebody that trusts me down. And uh, I love the end result. I love that aha moment when somebody that has been struggling figures something out. I love the process of uh, you know, kind of tweaking and adjusting and trying stuff until you, you get that favorable moment. And, um, you know, I, I feel so blessed to be able to, you know, um, to, for people to put their confidence in me to, to help with one of the most important aspects of their life. You know, I always say, you know, you, you got obviously your faith and your family and your friends, which are, you know, I always say the three F's, but after that, business and basketball, those are right after that for these guys. And so outside of their family and friends and faith, uh, they're trusting me with one of the biggest things in their life. And so I, I take pride in making sure that I do anything and everything I can to help them get results and then also to help them off the court so that they can become better people. Because as you know, you have to be, you know, stable off the court to be stable on the court. And so I try to to blend those and be there for them as a skills trainer and as just a, you know, a best friend or a big brother or, uh, you know, kind of whatever they need me to be um, off the court as well so that we can really get the desired ro- results that they want. Man, I love that answer so much and I resonate with it so well. Like that's kind of why I've been stepping away from basketball more and more cuz I'm not I I love the game, but I don't like the 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 the, the training and everything is not the part of it and you hit the nail on the head. It is about the ability to pour into others, to be that mentor, to be to 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 change your lives and Trainers get a bad rap, man. Like trainers get a bad rap. They think it's, you know, you take a picture with a guy or you help them with a crossover or something. But what you said is what you do. You mentor these players. You are their big brother. They, You guys will be friends for life. And you have amazing, amazing players, talented players, like probably over $5 billion worth in contracts if you added it up, like the players that you worked with, which is nutty just to think about. But... Man, just just that 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 mentorship that you give them is that is that what you think? Like when we talk about greatness, is is having someone in your corner like yourself? What takes what can help take these guys to the next level? Like what what is it that separates the absolute great from just those ones that that you know are good or just don't make it? Well, here's what I would say. I'd say first thing, um, I think that all the great ones have an it factor. And I think it is hard to explain, you know, when, and I explain it this way. I grew up idolizing Michael Jordan, like so many others. And, um, and they were like, what, what do you mean by Michael Jordan has the it factor? And I'm like, put it this way. If Michael Jordan, after the third quarter was down by 15 points and you were in a room full of basketball fans and you turned to everybody and said, you know what? I know Michael Jordan's losing by 15, but who wants to bet me a hundred dollars that, you know, I'll take Michael Jordan's team and you guys take the other team that's up by 15 points. No one would take that bet because you just knew that Michael Jordan was going to do something to figure out how way to win the game. He had that it factor that's undescribable, that, um, you know, that, that kind of will to win. Same thing when Tiger Woods was in his prime. You know, Tiger Woods, he could be down the first round, the second round, the third round. He could even be down in the, in the final round, you know, at the turn. And you just knew that he was going to find a way to hit some magical shots, make some amazing putts, and, and pull it away. And you start looking at all these great ones 
Um, you know, Michael Phelps in the Olympics, you know, I just remember the relay race where he came back and, you know, he stretched his arm out. Like it looked like the scene out of the original Space Jam movie when Michael Jordan stretched his arm out and got the dunk and somehow wins a gold for the Olympic you know, medal. Those great ones just have a way to figure it out. So I'd say the first thing is they have an it factor. I think the second thing is they have they, they crave they crave knowledge so that they can improve. And so when I look at guys that I want to take on, I look at obviously, do they have, you know, uh, you know, talent? Uh, do they have, do, do we see eye to eye in where we think we can get them? Because if, if I think they can get to a certain level and they think they can get to a different level, sometimes we're going to bump heads at some point. So we want to make sure we're on the same page. Um, but then they have to have a willingness to not only accept criticism, but seek criticism and, and constantly try to find ways to do things better. And I tell people all the time, my job is not to make players good. My job is to tell the best players in the world that they're not good enough. And I'm trying to make the best better. And so really, when you look at, at, at guys like us, whether it's, you know, a lot of people don't realize I do this with executives and CEOs and businessmen off the court as well. What I do is I say, hey, listen, everybody has an upward path. You know, even the good ones and the great ones, they have an upward path. My job is to create an inflection point where we go from here to here and we basically make your, you know, your improvement curve grow more rapidly than it would if you never met me. And so I'm humble enough to, to tell people all the time, like if Joel Embiid or Brad Beal or Jason Tatum or Zach Levine or any of my clients, if those guys never met me, they would still be really, really special players. I just always like to say, you know, if they didn't meet me, then I, you know, maybe they wouldn't have had that same little curve, or maybe I could have got them better a little bit quicker. And so Brad Beal and I always laugh. I always say one to two levels. I can get you one to two levels better. I can't take somebody, you know, like myself and turn them into a Brad Beal. You know, I, I didn't have what Brad Beal had. And I also know that Brad Beal is the one putting in the work and Brad Beal is the one getting the results. So I'm a small piece of the puzzle that's behind the scenes, behind the curtain. But that's the goal of, of any kind of coach, whether it's a life coach, whether it's an executive coach, whether it's a skills coach, whatever kind of coach is their job is to create an inflection point where that person gets better faster. And so I would say that all the great ones have an it factor. They have a willingness to learn. And then they have some people or something in their corner that allows them to improve at a rapid rate so that they can get the results that they want in a shorter period of time. Oh my gosh, so much to unpack there. It was phenomenal. What so what you do is you are a leader. Like if I if if you were a baseball coach, you would make baseball players better. You would figure it out because sure. you support you support your players, but you challenge your players. Most people in NBA players' corners are just yes men, but they don't want that. They want someone who is going to take them not from good to great, but from great to outstanding, which you do. And I love to hear that you say it's Hey, I don't make these guys. Like, I'm not making these guys who they are. Because most, well, there's a lot of trainers we know that try to take credit for their guys, their guys. But you just give them that extra 1%, which which is literally everything, man. So what's really... And, and that's what it's all yeah. about. Like, I, I, I look at this, and, and one thing that you just said, like, is, is so true. I think that too many times when you look at kind of the whole body of work and stuff like that, and you look at these great ones... They don't need somebody else to applaud them. They have enough fans in their corner. And so what, what our jobs are is to basically break down and analyze what they can't see. Sometimes it's hard to self-evaluate. That's why it's important that we all have coaches regardless of what we're doing. 
So then somebody else can see things that you can't see yourself because we all have these, these biases towards ourselves. We all have these blinders on where, you know, especially if we're pursuing something, we're trying to, uh, you know, see certain things or we're trying to do this, but sometimes we're blind to some little aspects. And so our job is to identify and provide an extra set of eyes and provide a caring heart so that we can talk through things, work through things together. And then together we can give that kind of, okay, here's the roadmap. You know, what I always like to say is I'm a GPS you know, they tell me where they want to get to. My job is to find the most efficient and effective route possible. And then if they get off course, my job is to get them back on course. And so, of course, you could get in your car and just say, you know what, I'm driving from LA to New York. Well, I know that is, you know, I, I know I've got to go east and I know I've got to go north, but then you could end up in Boston. You could end up, you know, in Philadelphia. You could end up all over the place. You could end up close to it, but maybe you're not going to get to the desired result. As a GPS, your job is to get them to their desired result faster, quicker, and then hopefully in the world of business, coaching, life, you get them beyond where they even thought they were capable of going. So that's what I would say as far as what a real coach does. Gosh, Drew, I can see why you are regarded as one of the top 50 motivational speakers. I know that you, I've seen many lists of that, man. These You are dropping gold here, the GPS, like the accountability, and it's it's funny because people will see you too now and they're like, man, I want to do what Drew does. Like how many times you get hit up on Instagram? Like, Drew, how do I get into the NBA? How do I get like, you've been doing this, man, for years. You wrote your first book at what, 17? I know I'd heard in the past that even when you were at Belmont, you were creating your own SWOT analysis, business development plan. Like you, you were preparing for what was to come. Most people will just react instead of that preparation. So I feel like that is part of, I mean, that's part of your, I guess, mystique. You're part of your drive. You're part of your your obsession is, is it always preparing for what's next and making sure that that, that power of preparation for you is always there? I think so. But more, more importantly than the power of preparation, I think so many people over-prepare and underdo. And so for me, it was just constantly doing and pivoting quickly because I'll give you an example. So the reason that I even started my training business was because my car would not start if it rained, if it snowed, if it was too cold outside. Like I had one of those, it was a $600 car that my parents had got me just so I could basically get from my house to the gym and to school every day. And uh, I, I, I really, I went on a, I went to pick up a girl for a movie and I left my car running, but I went to the door to pick her up. And I remember her dad saying, hey, come on in, like turn your car, come on in. And I was like, oh, it's okay. Like, you know, it's all good. You know, he's like, no, 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 stay for a second. And I was like, I, I wanted to tell him like, dude, the car might not start if I could go turn it off, but I was too embarrassed to. And so I was like, okay, I can't disrespect the father right there. So I go turn off my car. Thankfully it started, but I was like, I can't be in this situation where I need a new car. So I started, you know, I was like, what, what can I do to make a, you know, to make money to do a car? So I had done the lemonade stands. I had done the cutting grass. I had done the shoveling snow. I'm from St. Louis. We have all the seasons. So I was trying to, you know, knock off all those little jobs. But then, you know, I found out refereeing was 18 bucks an hour. And so I started, I was like, hey, I'm going to be a referee. I'm doing this refereeing thing. He offered me a coaching job, the, the guy that was in charge of referees instead of refereeing for 18 bucks an hour. So I started coaching. Then some, some parent came up to me and asked me, you know, hey, can you train my kid and offer 20 bucks an hour? So I was like, bang, I'm done. I got a $2 pay raise. I'm a trainer. True story. But then at that point, I started, I started saying, okay, Unlike most people, I think this is what happens. Most people get to a situation where they, they feel comfortable 
with what they're doing and they're content with what they're doing. So they just, I could have easily said, I'm just going to be a trainer, make 20 bucks an hour and just train as many people as I can because 20 bucks an hour is a good salary. What I did was I took pride in that. So I started studying the game. I watched every single made field goal from the NBA for eight seasons. So that's over 1 million possessions of basketball that I watched to study the game, to reverse engineer what's going on. So I could write this curriculum that became now 2,400 pages that I've written about basketball. As you mentioned, my junior year in high school, I wrote my first drill book. But all of those things allowed me to help a lot of local St. Louis players. And one of them was Brad Beal. So when Brad's career took off, my career took off. So when people do slide in my DMs, which I do get hundreds of, of people each, each week that literally write to me and say, hey, I want to do exactly what you're doing. What should I do? I say two things. Number one, you need to help whoever you're currently working with. If you help them get results, then more people are going to want to drink the same Kool-Aid that they're drinking, and you're eventually going to grow your reputation, your brand, your word of mouth, and you're going to continue to grow to more and, and improve clients. The second thing I tell them is, I remember my first ever NBA client who you mentioned earlier, David Lee. I put together a DVD for, I know that tells you how long ago I've been doing this, but a DVD of basically why David Lee was not as good as he could have been. And I gave it to our AU coach, we had the same AU coach, to present to him. I really wanted to train him when I was in high school because I was like, I know I can help him out. I know I can see these things. What I didn't know at the time was I wasn't ready to train David. And I was so thankful that I didn't work with him when I first tried to work with him. So fast forward two years later, David gives me an opportunity, which he told me at the time afterwards, he told me, he said, hey, I was just going to give you one chance. I thought you were going to be just like everybody else, a generic trainer. And then I could at least check off the box that I gave you the opportunity so our AAU coach could hound me. And so I show up to the gym. I show up an hour early. I mop the floors because I want to make sure the gym was nice for him. I do all this kind of stuff. And he showed up to the gym a couple minutes late. And this is the first ever chance of me working out an MBA client. You know, I've been waiting for this opportunity for all my training career. Shows up a couple minutes late and I go, all right, we're on the line. He goes, what do you mean? I go, if you show up late, you got to run. He's like, buddy, 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 like NBA players don't run when they're late. Like, you know, we all show up late and I'm like, that's great. But like, I'm going to hold you accountable. I told you you were going to be here at 8 a.m. You told me you wanted to be here at 8 a.m. We're running. We didn't run. We jogged up and down the court. I ran with him and um, that happened. A couple, you know, minutes later, we're in the workout He's doing something he's, and he's like, dude, let's move on. This, I'm never going to use this in a game. He's like, you're just teaching me this because you don't know how to teach post players. You know, I, you're, you're just a guard. And I said, trust me, if you just get your foot around at this angle, it'll help open your hips and it'll help you out. He goes and luckily for me, he makes like six or eight in a row. And I'll never forget after that workout, he said, hey, dude, just so you know, I didn't want to keep training with you. I just wanted to give you a chance to get the AAU coach off the back, but you held me accountable, which is what I need most. I need somebody to you know, hold me accountable. And two, you didn't back down. You knew what I needed to do and you made me do that. You forced me to do exactly what I needed to do. And so going back to what you were talking about earlier, when people ask, you know, what can you do to, it's like, hey, the first thing you need to do is you need to do a great job in your current role or do a great job in, in the, the bottom stages so that you can show that you're ready to move up. And then the second thing is sometimes you have to, you have to understand that it's going to take a little patience. You don't want some of the opportunities that you eventually are going to get now because you're not ready for them. You want to be able to crush them when you finally get those opportunities. So that's my biggest advice to anyone, not just basketball trainers, is like crush it in your current role while preparing for your future role 
so that when you do get those opportunities, it's a home run because you only get so many chances that that door is going to open and they're going to kick you out if you're not ready to stay in there. And so that would be my advice to anybody that is is in that kind of realm of trying to hustle and bustle and, and, and work their way to the top. Drew, you just gave me goosebumps on that. Promise me when you do corporate <clears throat> speaking gigs or just big talks, you tell that story because that is phenomenal in preparation, but also self-awareness, confidence, like to have the balls to stand up to David Lee at your first workout and tell him to run sprints. Like that's amazing, man. But that's what people need. That's what people need. People don't, there's enough people that, uh, you know, are out there that'll say, you know, give you positive kind of reinforcement. They'll say, Hey man, just keep going, keep going. But it's like, if you're going in the wrong direction, keep going is the worst advice possible. And if you're not getting results and, and somebody's saying, Hey, just be patient. That's also terrible advice. Don't be patient if you're not doing anything. So that's why my big thing is like, just go do, go do, just actively pursue. And you know what? Eventually you're going to have to pivot anyway, you know, and I'm not a big believer in business plans because I think by the time you write a business plan, the world has changed so much that, so I'm more of a, I'm more of a believer in like, Hey, which direction do we want to head? Let's start heading in that direction and then let's quickly make pivots based on what the market or based on the, the results that we're getting. Man, I love that word pivot too. I love that word pivot <laughs> you use it, brother. Dude, this is so good, man. This is amazing. Uh, I would love to talk to you all day and and I know we can and I'll keep keep asking you questions on all this. But, but what's coming next for you, Drew, as someone who is extremely motivated and intrinsically driven? Like what wakes you up every morning these days and just has that fire of, man, I'm going to go because you literally are changing the world, whether you see it that way or not. The people that you have impact on have massive, massive impact on a lot of other people. I mean, yourself has massive impact on people. But what drives you and fires you up for what's coming next? Well, for me, I kind of actually want to go opposite way. So in a weird way, um, in the basketball training world, I've been able to work my way to the top. You know, I've worked with four NBA All-Stars and, and have everything that at one point in my life I really wanted. Um, but now I want to go back in the trenches in the basketball world. So I'm doing a 30-city tour uh, domestically. And then last year I did a 15-country tour um, before the pandemic. And I just want to give back to as many kids. I want to level the playing field. So I want to really be able to help any kid that wants to get better. Um, you know, the young Drew, like that didn't maybe have the financial resources to hire somebody um, like ourselves. And so that's what I want to do is I, I want to be able to give as much information and then also be in the trenches with as many players as I can so that players with a dream can have, I can provide direction for that dream. And so then they just have to put in the work. Then it's on them because if you have if you have direction, it, it 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 helps you out a ton. And so I see a lot of players that work really hard on their game, but they work on the wrong things or they work the wrong way, and then they get the wrong results. And I just I want to eliminate that frustration. I want to eliminate that depression. A lot of them go into depression when they don't get the results. They get frustrated and stuff like that. So that's one aspect. And the other thing is I do a lot of these corporate speaking gigs. I do a lot of. Uh, Executive coaching and 99% of the time when I do executive coaching, it really becomes life coaching, as you know, because, you know, there's been some some of my clients that are billionaires and and I go, OK, sit down. I'm like, first off, you're a billionaire. You make way more money than I do. Why are we really here? And so that's what the next thing is in, in my life is I really want to get into the trenches of what do people really want out of life? And I think it's funny because when you really ask that question, most people don't know the real answer. And I always say to these businessmen, I'm like, if you were pursuing happiness, 
as aggressively as you're pursuing success to other people, your life would be so much better. And so that's what I want to do in the realm is I want to help basketball players all around the world be able to have access to the best training so that if they do want to go all in and pursue their dream of playing at a high level, they can do that. And then in the the bigger grand scheme is I really want to help people understand what real success is, which to me, success is inner peace. When you can when you can be the person that you actually want to be and you're actually happy with your true identity, that is to me true success. And so as somebody that is surrounded by millionaires and billionaires and celebrities that have everything that everyone thinks that they want, I know that there's things that we really need that are the things that we should be pursuing. And so that's my, that's my bigger mission is to be able to help people find that. Like, what is your thing? What do you really want out of life? And then be able to help them, uh, you know, get that. Man, that is the epitome of the the search of awesome. Like that is the inner peace, the what is your mission. And so many people are just stuck in their lane and they just keep, they don't want to step out of it because it's it's their comfortable lane. Man, ah, I wish there was a hundred of you in this world, man. This world would be such a better place with that type of mindset. Drew, amazing. Okay, I'm going to throw you on the rapid fire hot seat as we wind down here. So this can be quick answers. Whatever comes to your mind, just spit them out. So the first one I have for you, do you have a favorite mindset quote that maybe you have, you've lived by, you have on your refrigerator, your bathroom mirror, something that you really, really like? It's a quote my grandma used to always tell me. And it was when I first started finding some level of business success, um, she said, Drew, just remember one thing. You'll never have everything that you want, but you'll always have more than you need. And so if you keep that perspective, instead of you know being stressed about the things that you desire, you'll feel blessed about the things that you have. And so that's kind of uh, the, the quote that I live by. Just appreciate all the blessings that are in all of our lives, because I constantly tell people that there are a good majority of people around the world that are praying for our worst days because our worst days we still have, you know, heat and cooling. We still have running water. We still have food. We still have clothes. We still have people that love us. We still have opportunities. People pray for those things. And so I just never want to take those things for granted. Gosh. And that's why you have a smile all the time. Like literally every time I'm around <laughs> you, you're smiling. And it's infectious, man. And it's, it's genuine and true. I love it, man. Okay. What does leaving a legacy mean to you? Not necessarily the big billboards, not the, the fame, anything, but what would, when you're gone, what would leaving a legacy look like? To be honest with you, I think that's every, every person that I had the opportunity to, um, you know, be a part of their life. I would just say that they feel something. I think it's a feeling legacy to me is a feeling like, what do people feel, say, think about you when you're not around? And I think that's what real legacy and real impact is, is when, um, you know, you can uplift people without even being there, without even saying anything, without any of that. And so I, I just I think that those are the people that have the best legacies. You know, I think that there's one thing where if, 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 if I passed away and somebody said, wow, he was really successful. He made a lot of money. He was, uh, you know, very smart. He knew basketball. He knew whatever business. I, I wouldn't be very happy with that. But if I have a lot of people that said, man, you should see how he impacted my life or you should see how he change the course of, you know, my career, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and just generally, if they smile when you, about you, when they think about you, um, I think that's what real legacy is. Dude, you're leaving it. The amount of people that <laughs> I have talked to that have brought up your name is, 
It's a lot. It is a lot. All right, I got a fun one for you. If you could have a dinner with three people, it can be basketball players, non-basketball players, dead or alive, who would they be? Who do you want at conversation? Who do you want to learn from? And what are you eating? What is that death row St. Louis barbecue, not as good as my Kansas <laughs> City barbecue meal? Um, so first off, I'm going to do a live because if I, if I did dead, I would, I would bring back my grandparents that are passed away. And so that would be, it would be, you know what I mean? It would be cheating for me. But, um, if I answered this question last year, I would have said, I don't even want three people. I would have just had a one-on-one with Michael Jordan, but I was fortunate. I got to spend a day with him. So, uh, I would still, I would still bring him at my table. He's still going to see, um, I would love to have President Obama there, um, just because I think that it's so unique how he broke through barriers. I also think that um, he's so well spoken, and and he had so many different things thrown at him during his presidency that I would just love to hear about that and just being as strong as he was and, and as committed to our country as he was. And the third one, I think the third one, I would probably pick somebody like. Maybe like I would. I, it's it's one of two people. I would either go with Tiger Woods because of how much adversity that he's faced and how he's had to overcome those things, and I would want to hear that. Or I would pick a guy like Elon Musk, who just thinks out of this world. He he just thinks differently than we like. He looks at like we look at Mars as like something we learn about like when we were younger as like one of the planets. Where he looks at it as like that's a place that we might live one day. So. It would either be Elon Musk just because of how out of this world and out of how he doesn't think like there is a box. Like, you know, most people are like, I want to think outside the box. He thinks there is no box. Or it would be somebody like Tiger that's went through so much adversity and he's been the best of the best, but still has had so much up and down in his life that I would want to kind of know what's kept him going through all those times. So those would be Michael Jordan and Obama would definitely have a seat. And then Elon and Tiger would have to to, to, to do a little face off to get that third spot. And we, we would eat. I actually, you know what? I would normally either go with my mom's fried homemade fried chicken or my dad owns a barbecue spot in St. Louis. So I would go with either my dad's barbecue or my mom's homemade fried chicken. So I'd go with one of those two for the, the final meal. Oh, beautiful. And I'm serving the food just so I can be a part of that too. <laughs> Man, how can we follow everything that you're doing? How can we support you? Just how can we basically stalk Drew Hanlon? Yeah, no, it's easy. It's my name, which is Drew, D-R-E-W, and then Hanlon, H-A-N-L-E-N, um, on all platforms. And then if you're out there in the basketball world, it's pure sweat, uh, P-U-R-E-S-W-E-A-T. But, um, you know, one of the things that I'm doing in the upcoming months, and it's something that I've had to step outside of my comfort zone, is very similar to you. I've done all these speaking engagements. I've done all these podcasts, and I've never really posted my life stuff just because I've been like, ah, you know, I don't want the kind of you know, people being like, ah, you know, it's corny or he's too motivational or he thinks like life is just so great and my life sucks. So, um, but I've stepped outside the comfort zone. I've started to post that stuff and started to post the motivational stuff, also started to post just life advice stuff. And um, so I'm I'm going to be sharing a bunch more of that. And, um, you know, I'm working on two books right now, like just like yourself. Um, You know, one of them is, is called Life Doesn't Suck. And it's all about having gratitude and finding perspective. And one's called Stop BSing Yourself. And it's all the, it's trying to extract all the hidden lies that we tell ourselves and the reasons why we settle for less than we do, we're really capable of. And so I'm really excited to, to finally get those out in the world and, um, you know, really impact 
people outside of just the basketball community that I think I, I already try to touch as much as I can. Man, I love that. Okay, we'll talk about that. I'm taking you out to dinner somewhere here in L.A., somewhere really good. And we'll, like any help you need on the book front, any, any publisher advice, anything like that, I, I got you, man, because those books will be amazing. And keep, keep sharing your story. Like the more people get to know you, the more impact that you'll have, like just be vulnerable. Like it's, it is a different space to step out of there because your identity has always been tied to basketball, but know that basketball is just your vehicle for so much impact to come man. like you're 31 now, like you like double that when you're 62, you will have touched millions on millions on millions. And I'm, I'm in your corner cheering you on, man. No, I'm excited. I'm excited. I've been, I've enjoyed all, all of all the things that you've done. I've enjoyed your growth and stuff like that. It's so fun just to, like we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, to see people win and, and, you know, ultimate success to me, I told you was inner peace and just to see how uh, you're always glowing. You know what I mean? You're always positive. You're always glowing and you're always doing things that uh, it, it's, it's not a, bu- it's not a checklist. It's not a bucket list. It's just, you're just living, you know? And I think that that's something that more people need to do is, they need to be truly like inspired by their own lives instead of just inspired by clips on YouTube or motivational podcast or you know self help books that you know end up being uh, you know put on the on the shelf instead of you know actually helping and so um, you know I, I've enjoyed seeing all your growth and all your kind of uh, you know uproar in, in the community that 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 you've been doing which is awesome. Thanks, brother, and I appreciate it. I was going to ask you to do a drop the mic, but that. We can't finish on anything better than that right there. That was amazing. Drew, you're a stud. Thank you so much for your time, for coming on this podcast, and just the light you are to so many. Appreciate you, brother. Awesome. Appreciate you having me.